0: Hey, Murphy! I'm a former heroin addict and current alcoholic, and you're tuned in to Self-Medicated Weekly Dose, a podcast all about drugs and the people who use them. As always, this program is inspired by the harm reduction movement, informed by my personal experience using all sorts of drugs for damn near 30 years, and enlightened by my special guests and i ain't bullshitting you here i got a dynamite one on my hands today for you uh you know this gentleman here i mean i know him i love him i've collaborated with him for many years uh as the host of the chris gethard show of course one of the finest programs to ever grace ted turner's network and he's also the host of a wonderful podcast beautiful anonymous please welcome to the program chris gethard
1: thank you everybody thank you everybody please take your seats Feel free to sit. Thanks everybody. All right. All right. How you doing, I, good. Uh, thank you, didn't you so mention much. Our most important credits, which was the reverends at each other's weddings. That's
0: also a credit I absolutely should have given for us. We did the reverend swap. Uh, we married each mm-hmm. other, but through the, you mm-hmm. know, you know, through the married each other. Yeah, we married each other. That's it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, we did. We married
0: each other. That is a sentence. That is technically true. That's right, uh, um, yeah, uh, so uh, yeah, we so, so we go back on. We've collaborated a lot on a lot of funky projects. this being one of them, uh, so I appreciate you diving in here with me to get to get uh, you know in the early stages of this as, as we're
1: uh, putting it together. Uh, so how you been? Pretty good, man. I'm chasing off a cold right now, but that's just part of the nature of uh, being a dad to a three year old who's in preschool is you're constantly chasing away something. Yep, He's yep. coughed directly into my mouth a few times over the past week or so. Sure. And, they're uh, little harbingers. Yeah, so I just got a little sinus thing, but I'm going to fight the good fight and summon some energy for you here. Yes, thanks, buddy. Thank you.
0: Uh, well, we have some segments, uh, you know, all lined up. We got, we're, we're jam-packed here today. Uh, I, you know, I, I had a couple that I was like, I want to I explore these fun ones with, uh, you know, with someone I've known for a long time uh, mm-hmm. so that I don't have to do the whole, you know, preamble of, like, explaining I'm a, I'm a crazy person and this is the kind of stuff I enjoy. Uh, you know, you get it. So, so I saved these for you specifically. Because um, you know, that. sometimes with people you don't know, you got to give a whole goddamn preamble, or otherwise they're like, "What if I signed
1: up for here?" With Christy Chelly you got to ease into it a little bit. <laughs>
2: the That's right. You and
1: me, we've been—you and me have been through some real dog shit days together already. So it's true. You're it's not true. Shock
0: me? No, there's no, uh, there's no preamble needed. Um, all right. Well, yeah. Let's uh, then let's uh, get into it right off the bat uh, with a little number that I like to call the Substance Report. This is the question: Do junkies' lives matter? Listen, you know, we all know the mainstream media's narrative on substance use is total trash, uh, always has been and probably always will be. So, you know, what I like to do here is is uh, pull some some of the uh, uh, the top drug related stories in the news and give them some proper coverage uh, with your help. Um, and so uh, th- this article I, I grabbed here, uh, this this was floating around and this is kind of something that's comes up every few years, I feel like. Uh, and it seems uh, like it'd be, uh, um, uh, you know, of importance to you. Uh, so this one uh, I pulled from Vice uh, and the uh, the headline says the new study on serotonin and depression isn't about antidepressants. A review confirming what has long been known is being used to, mis, uh, uh, to uh, put out misleading claims about antidepressants and shows the gap between scientific knowledge and public understanding. Uh, so basically uh, what we have here is. Um, and, you know, you talked about a lot, a lot of this in your show, Career Suicide. Um, so, you know, I feel you're comfortable airing this, talking about this stuff publicly because there is some stigma, sadly, attached to still all of this. And I think this kind of review leads, you know, adds to that, really, um, where basically these uh, these two dudes who are kind of, I think, publicly in the medical community, uh, you know, anti psychiatry is not what they like to be labeled as. But they're very much like anti uh, uh, medications uh, as, as an intervention uh, for mental health. Uh, mental illness stuff and so like basically what they did here is they pulled this study that kind of said serotonin so i think there's this there always has been this perception of like uh serotonin chemical imbalance kind of thing is 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 what leads to depression whereas that's kind of a general understanding but as as you know you know the 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 medical community has for years been like well that's not you know exactly a a one-to-one comparison there that's not really what what it what it's all about but these uh, antidepressants certainly work in clinical trials. So there was nothing that that's didn't say that in here. But yet they used this study of like serotonin, low serotonin or chemical imbalance is not what leads to depression as a uh, kind of a leap to then say antidepressants are not are medications that are not you know effective or, or shouldn't be used in some way, uh, which is which is certainly a leap and, and not uh, accurate. So so I, I wonder, uh, you know, just your kind of thoughts in general, as you've uh, very carefully when you kind of wrote career suicide, I know neither one of us are professionals. We're talking about this as personal, you know, people who've been through, through it uh, ourselves. So what are your kind of thoughts on, on in general, on this study and on this, uh, this concept?
1: Well, when it comes to depression stuff, to me, it sort of feels like figuring out the cause is only worth your time if it's helping to mitigate the effects. Right. Mm -hmm. So I haven't read the study. I haven't read, the article that you linked to outside of the screen grab you just showed me, but if there's people who are anti-psychiatry trying to say, well, look, uh, low serotonin levels doesn't cause depression, my immediate instinct is to go, I don't quite care what causes it. I I care what fixes it. And I've been on a number of drugs over the years that have helped. I've been on other drugs that haven't. And anybody who's watched Career Suicide knows, you know, I I think one of the main... Messages of that entire piece that I put out there was whatever helps you, go get it. You know, um, I talked a lot about how my shrink doesn't really play by the rules so much. My shrink is someone who um, is a little bit fast and loose with some, of the, some Barb, of the rules This is Barb, of course. Yeah, Barb. I've been seeing her since 2007. And, you know, I compare her to, I, I saw some people who used to really go by the letter of the law. And those people really didn't work for me. And those people, in in fact, in some cases, put me in some situations where I felt unsafe. Um, So to me, I go, if there's a teenage kid out there or there's some college kid out there who feels like they're losing their mind, and they can take a pill, and that pill helps buy them some breathing room where they can get back on track, what kind of nerd wants to sit here and go, well, was it really level serotonin? Then, <laughs> you know, to me, I go the first thing we got to do is just keep people alive, keep people facing forward. You know, now is there an over-reliance on pills? And that's why people are fighting against it? Maybe. You know, I know people always have issues with medicating children. I get it. But I think like a lot of conversations that happen these days, I'm very wary of situations where we learn about these broad strokes conversations from sort of the top level. I know you're no, you and I have had many a uh, conversation where you, you will, you are very wary of the media and I totally understand it. And one of the things that I, I think is sometimes when you see these broad stroke headlines, they get very, very far away from an actual individual's experience. Yes. And the individual experience is help the kid who needs help. Yes. Help the person who's snapping after college, which, you know, is an age where it happens so often. A middle-aged person who's feeling so much stress that they're starting to mentally break. What is it that helps? Let's find them to the help. And yeah, uh, yeah. I think I, you're I abs- kind of starting in the conversation there for me.
0: Yeah, I, I'm 100 I'm, uh, percent on board with you on that. Uh, I, and I do think that the oversimplification of both just headlines and, and stuff in general, but just kind of the, these narratives that are pushed there is, is we we just don't want to leave. You know, people just are We I think people are full of, of nuance and full of, of, you know, just their own individual experience. People are bringing everything that makes them a human being to the table, to any situation. Uh, and the more complicated the situation, the more complex it is, the more that that's just going to be like, there's no, there is no, you know, one way for everybody. There is no black and white to this, but people just want the like, the, everything to be in that binary box of like, well, it's either this or this. And, and that's all there is to it. And I'm like, that's just, that's so silly, uh, you know, that, that, you know, you can't really deal with, you know, raising a, a, a you know a a dog like a you know p- puppies are more complicated than that. So I'm like human beings bringing to the table everything we have, and then just all the societal pressures and the stigma and everything on top of it. It's like yeah, there is no one way, and 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 I do think that that, that there's you know when, when you're young, of course, you think oh big pharma, you know the oversimplification. Then on the other side, could just be that means everything. You know, they're always pushing. Shit, trying to make money so none of these drugs are worth a damn which is also just you know foolish because some of them are so you have to you have to kind of tread that water and 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 see what works for you of like just because yes there's profit motives in this i mean i say the same thing about like vaccines or any other conversations that come up where it's like just because one is true does not mean that another you you have to throw out everything with that it's like you know I, i just constantly beg with everyone to just and i gotta remind myself to juggle more than 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 one or two ideas you know at one time in your in your mind just hold those things that you know to be true and then you know assess the situation as they come up but i think with this it does feel like a a lot of that and like this article from vice is very much saying like you know calling out that the people behind this study where it's like this wasn't a bombshell like they treated it like oh man here's the here's this big new revelatory thing of that low serotonin is not immediately linked you know the other thing and the medical community was like yeah we know so whatever pe- whatever ideas people might hold of this like chemical imbalance equals depression, that's just like and has that been marketed by you know Zoloft and, and, and Prozac and whatever other you know, drugs are out there? It's like, yes, of course, because they need to market something. So they're simplifying it very straightforward to do that. But it's like medical professionals like, yeah, no one's going to argue that. But then also to leap to this idea of none of this shit works is that's also not true. And none of that was in these. These trials, this trial was specifically just studied uh, a focus on the serotonin, not on the, the clinical trials of drugs, which, as you know, personally have worked for you. And I know a shit ton of people who they've worked for. So that's not anecdotal. That's like clinically certainly true. So I think both those ideas can be true um, and are.
1: I think so much of it, too. I forget who I heard saying this. It may have been you because I've been listening. I, I told you before we started. I have listened to every episode of your podcast. Greatly You're the best. it. You're the best. I love you. Um, But someone... I recently heard somebody saying something I really agreed with, which is like it's proving to be very damaging, I think, societally, how much we are now trained to build our experience from the top down instead of the bottom up. Yes. Meaning you can read an article like this. They've been bullshitting this on serotonin levels. These guys lied. Big Pharma lied to us. You go, okay, well, that's the top down, right? That's You reached a conclusion and you're telling me from – from what you've concluded the way to build these experiences bottom up is to go i'm somebody who feels like i'm mentally slipping what are the steps i need to take do i need to exercise more i'll exercise more did that help no that didn't help okay do i need to find a professional and talk to somebody even though that can be daunting i found that okay is that helping a little bit okay i trust this professional professional i've been working with them for a few months they're recommending i taking i take this drug because i seem to fit these symptoms did this drug help these symptoms? A little bit, but I don't love the side effects. Let's get off that drug. Let's get it out of my system. Well, there's a similar drug. The professional hasn't worked with it as much before, but they've been reading it helps. Okay, this one seems to be helping. That's the bottom up, right? That's yep, the bottom yep, up yep. experience. And I think this applies to a lot of people's experience, not just with this specific situation, but especially politically, right? And that's something you and I have talked about a lot is like if you only read headlines going... The Republicans are trying to murder everybody. The liberals are trying to drag everybody in this direction. If your worldview starts more with what's going on right outside my front door, yes, who needs help? What are the businesses that are thriving? Which ones are struggling? Who's this person who doesn't seem to have a place to go or a bite to eat? If you can start there, bottom up, your life experience is based a lot more on necessity and your choices are based a lot more on logical things that get you from the point A to the point B you need, versus unnecessary debate and panic about stuff that, frankly, who gives a shit? It doesn't I matter. I'm rambling, Murph. But no, mean, dude, you no no, known, no, Known for a good ramble. You're absolutely, and you're right. I mean, that's the, that.
0: That is the. It's it's starting at the at, at the communal level, and, and and I I you know I I would challenge anyone to have a conversation, you know, that goes longer than 5 minutes that has a little depth to it with anyone in their community and then try to put them neatly into one box or another. Like that's that's fucking silly. We all know that. No one yeah. no one fits into that bill. So yeah, you're right. We end up getting so fired up about other shit and it's, you know, being online and and everything else makes it feel like it's all this macro, but it's, you know, being like, "Oh, well, I'm pulled in this direction or people feel this." And it's like, "No, just yeah, step outside your door. People in your community, you know, your family and friends, yes, but even just your your community at large that, that that is there. And like, just, you know, see, see people, you know, that, that, that always is the cure for all this shit I feel like because no one fits into a neat box and, and only, only what matters is that, you know, you're there for, for each other as neighbors
1: and as a community. Like that's, that's it. Um, and, and I'll tell you, I've, I've been a very big proponent, you know, seeking mental health treatment was such a daunting and demonized thing growing up in the eighties. Um, I mean, that we're if, both kind of no, Irish career, Catholic roots and that's the, you know, yeah. family. So
0: it's, it's not, uh, it's just not Impressed a thing. Catholic, a thing. <laughs> blue
1: collar toughness, all yeah, these yeah, things yeah. that add up to you don't talk about this stuff. Right. And, uh, you know, Career Suicide came out on HBO in 2017. It felt pretty shocking then. Even by today's standards, I don't think that's a shocking special anymore. That's a good thing. But on beautiful anonymous, Murph. I feel like this, ex, this conversation extends to something that you'd be a big fan of where I go, there's a lot of things in life that are not for me. And you know this about me. You've you've uh, You've known me as a teetotaler for most of our relationship. You've That's also true. been there during a, a perilous stretch stretch back in 2011-2012 when I <laughs> fell off the wagon and you were one of the guys who I think was looking out for me from afar non-judgmentally yes, on that. For sure. Um but beautiful anonymous. I mean I, I just had an episode recently where I talked to somebody who went through a brutally challenging life experience and told me that the way that She found her way out of it. One of the primary factors that helped her out of it was she wound up talking to a psychic medium who operates out of a trailer in our desolate rural part of Canada. I sit there, I go, I know myself well enough to know, I don't think seeking out a medium psychic in a trailer would help me with my mental health issues. I think the way my brain is built, I would have too many questions about its authenticity, but it helped her, great. I've talked with veterans, on the show, I, I, I talked with one who was a, you know, he's a veteran who started seeking out ayahuasca and it helped so much with his PS- T- PTSD that he now is part of an underground network of people. Who, he organizes ayahuasca experiences for other veterans where maybe they don't need to travel to Peru. Maybe they can find it in their neighborhood yes. because it's been so beneficial. You know, you read so much about these drugs that were demonized for us. I mean, when we first heard about MDMA, the top down news was what? ecstasy will melt holes in your brain, in your brain. like that's <laughs> yes. what that's what they used to tell us that was <laughs> the did. story that was the drug war story. literal
0: holes that. in the brain there should they'd show little you know little diagrams of the of the you know the yep. MRI
1: of the brain scan or whatever and you know whatever that was you're like look there's holes in the brain you're right, you're right. they would melt holes in the brain and now you're reading more and more that goes you know if you sit there with a therapist who's trained how to use it MDMA is actually helping people who have been through the worst types of trauma reconcile it in a way nothing else does so that's right Yep. I don't and, care if I don't care if it's a psychic medium. I don't care if it's a big pharma approved drug. I don't care if it's a drug that's been illicit, that people are responsibly finding ways to apply to help. If it helps people, it helps people. And at that point, we should get the fuck out of the way. It's my opinion.
0: Amen. Right. Yep. I'm with you on that. Um, yeah, I think that's, and I think we're kind of all, uh, we're all learning that to some degree. And it's like the only, the only place for me is when you look at, you know, charlatans, hucksters, the grifters, because right now at this point, people are, you know, feeling I think collectively we've been through kind of a rough stretch. And it feels like, you know, people being open to that outside of that, if I don't see any sort of predatory and not to call out like nutraceuticals or anything else that's being shilled. But there's some stuff where you just go like, yeah, I see. I see that this is a grift. But I mean, outside of that. And again, even if someone says, you know what, I fucking I know it's a grift but it makes me feel better then yeah who the hell am i to 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 tell someone not to you know do it, w- what what they want to do i think that's i think that's absolutely right and i think you will learn that uh, as you get a little bit older is that w- whatever this is that works for people uh bottom up over top down is 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 definitely the uh the, the the way to go um yeah so uh so that's uh kind of uh the 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 nuance that you don't generally get uh in in these sort of things that i hope we we give you in the substance report and uh, a perfect segue here. Speaking of uh, top down, bo- uh, bottom uh, up, is uh, this is uh, uh, this next bit here? We have uh, um, well, first off, I'll just set it up. It's the fog of drug war.
3: War, it's fantastic.
0: So what we do here in this segment, uh, Gethard, is we got like you know over a trillion dollars in fifty years has been the uh, America's war on drugs. So as we know with any war. There's there's uh, tends to be a, a little bit of fog, a little bit of confusion when, when, when things kind of start out out there on the battlefield. You're not quite sure, you know, with 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 all the different aspects of warfare. There's there's you know, there's there's bound to be moments of, of confusion and and uh, just craziness, frankly. Uh, and I and I, uh, I feel like with this with this uh, trillion dollar drug war that we have here, there's been a lot of that. No shortage of moments that have just been kind of mind boggling and, and kind of just wild and specific to the drug war. So. This one that I pulled here is uh, the top down, bottom up. Uh, one of the greatest moments uh, in, in American history, frankly, as far as I'm concerned, it doesn't get talked about uh, enough. And, and and it's something that would never happen uh, nowadays, where where there's actually some I wouldn't even say accountability because there never was. But there's at least a moment where people who've been affected by the uh, by, by the power elite, by this power structure we have in place here, have a moment where they can just kind of see a human being, put a face to it and be able to kind of say this is. These are our grievances, and this is, is the uh, um, the issue we have. And as you'll see here in this clip, there's a reason why they don't do this often. But uh, for people who don't know, just a real quick uh, a back uh, uh, story here is that I don't know if you've heard about in, in the uh, in the 80s, there was the Iran Contra stuff during the Reagan administration. So there was the the arms uh, uh, they, they armed the the uh, the Contras in Nicaragua to overthrow the Sandinista government, which was a democratically elected left wing government uh, in Nicaragua, and they they basically funded the right this right wing paramilitary group to overthrow them. Uh, so that's the geopolitics of it all, to kind of mix it up in Central America there. Uh, but you know Reagan eventually Congress told Reagan, "We're not paying for this anymore. Why, why? is the American taxpayer paying for this? You know, for us to essentially run a coup and and overthrow this government, so, so that we, you know, are, are fighting the communists? That's that's not going to fly anymore. It's an expensive war. So to fund the war outside of Congress, they started getting involved in the drug trade. So the CIA gets meddling, and and they, they start you know with cocaine, and they're they're bringing it up through, and 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 then this gets you know into Freeway Rick Ross, who was a legendary a crack dealer in L.A., one of the most successful uh, drug dealers in American history. So he gets tied up into this and brought in. And there's a lot of whispers about, you know, how how did these guns and drugs manage to get into Los Angeles? You know, we have all this, uh, you know, military and all this money that's going into it. So what's what's really going on here? So eventually this was uh, called into question enough. And uh, Gary Webb, a great uh, investigative journalist, wrote this piece uh, where he basically tied it all together and, and kind of laid out the case for it. And it was enough that the CIA sent their director to a, um, uh, a high school gymnasium in Los Angeles to speak to uh, the people uh, of the community uh, and answer some of their questions. So it, this went about as amazing as you can imagine, because they're passing a mic, this is passing a mic around. And this is letting people in the community in, in, uh, in Los Angeles speak to uh, the director of the CIA uh, at the time. So uh, we'll just uh, let's take a little look at this clip here. And uh, there's just I pulled some of the more uh, incredible comments um, and we'll, we'll see what we're dealing with. This is uh, this is Director Deutsch of the CIA.
3: Now, we all know that the U.S. government and the CIA supported the Contras in their efforts to overthrow the Sandinista government in Nicaragua in the middle 80s. Now, it is alleged. the. C- Really quick just want to pause right at the gates
0: here what he just acknowledged too it's like we all know this it's very funny to me because if you think about that you're just like huh okay so we're already dealing with with a, with a with a with a massive uh, power uh, dynamic here where we're just going to overthrow yeah. governments yeah. and put them over so that yeah.
1: <laughs> let's just make our starting premise that we did something absolutely batshit bonkers and uh since that's out of the bag yeah now, now i'm going to address
3: details? the real yeah the devil's in the details CIA also helped the contras raise money for arms by introducing crack cocaine into California. It is an appalling charge. It is an appalling charge that goes to the heart of this country. No one who heads a government agency, not myself or anyone else, can let such an allegation stand. I will get to the bottom of it, and I will let you know the results of what I found. And I look forward to hearing your questions. Thank
1: you very much. Thank you so much for Mr. Murph, Can we pause one second? Uh huh. Uh huh. They they had uh, there was a stretch where he was talking, and they panned the crowd. And Murph, I've spent twenty two years performing in live uh, com- comedy context. I've rarely seen a crowd less impressed with a human being than the pan of faces. That crowd seemed like they were
0: not pleased with this. Yeah, not already
1: not convinced not pleased with this guy Uh,
0: yes as as a even just a public speaker yeah as a comedian as a performer as someone looking out into an audience deutsche staring down the barrel of like well here we go uh yes and thank you for setting the scene for the listeners i
1: always i keep forgetting when i'm showing these videos kolsky no i was just so amused by that just the slow pan of unimpressed faces there was jarring was kind of chilling as as someone who performs live for a living. Sort of chilling to see a crowd Ooh. reacting that yep. way. And in a high school
0: gym, so they're packed in tight. Like, this is also not yeah. like, you know, he, he's not on some grand stage, like, uh, removed from this. He's, he can You can yeah. smell people, like, at this distance. Thank you
3: very much.
1: Thank you so much for Mr. CIA official for being here. But I would just like to ask you, how are we supposed to trust the CIA official to investigate themselves? I mean, we, we are having a problem with
3: that.
0: With all Very reasonable right out of the gates of just like, all right, so let me just get this straight. You're going to get, you're the director of the CIA. You're going to get to the bottom of potential CIA misconduct. Like, okay, so you're the right person to, to investigate this and we should trust you as the head of the organization yes. that, that, that was in. Yeah. All
1: right. So this woman just very quickly clarifying. All right. So that's nonsense. Uh, but yes, here we go. Like a husband telling a wife, like, oh, you think I'm cheating? I'll, well, I'll go through my phone records and I'll let you know. I'll let you know. Yes. I, I
0: <laughs> Yes, exactly.
3: Disrespect, <laughs> sir. You coming in this community today in this way is nothing more than a public relations move for the white people of this country. Because you know, as well as everyone else, that the CIA has been dealing drugs throughout the world and bringing drugs into this country since Vietnam's war. You brought them in here in body bags. You were in the golden triangle. So you're going to come in this community and insult us and tell us that you're going to investigate yourself. You got to be crazy.
0: Also, that's true. Just just to back that gentleman up, that that has been confirmed as well. They brought uh, back uh, smuggled heroin during uh, Vietnam in
1: body bags. That was an actual thing. That gentleman also was, A, a cool looking guy. Yeah. And B, both him and the lady who spoke first. I'm going to put out my own conspiracy theory here. And I'm not judging those people. They're handing the mic around. To me, you don't get in front of the CIA guy without at least some light vetting, right? Like, they're making sure nobody's going into that room without a criminal record. They're hoping that these are... Um, here's what the CIA is hoping, is that these people who you might term maybe like a little more street by the standards of the time sure. are going to start ranting and raving and embarrassing themselves. And thus far, what we've had is two for two people who like, like that guy... If you saw him online at CVS getting agitated and yelling at somebody, you'd think he's a crazy person. But instead, he said something totally reasonable in a very reasonable fashion. And this must be the CIA's nightmare because I have a feeling they were hoping it would get more nuts. And instead, people are just calling them out on some basics.
0: Absolutely right. Just hitting, just, we're just hitting free throws at this point. It's like, it's all there. But you're right. They were hoping people come in, just heaving half court shots and, you know, complaining about the officiating and everything else. But no, people are coming correct. Uh, so, yeah. So and, and we're going to we're going to see s- some more of that of like th- this crowd did their homework. And it's it's a problem to Ali North and George Bush and the, ever, the massive documentation. All these gentlemen like this gentleman here, the co-defendant of Ricky Ross.
3: Ricky Ross is doing George Bush's time. If you bring forward an allegation to me, I will see that it's investigated. <laughs> Give to the, staff. the listeners,
0: this fella, yeah, this fella, work. he hands over. So this fella literally <laughs> says, "Yeah, when are you going to investigate Ollie North and George Bush for for their for their role in this?" Uh, and yeah, great one liner. Jo- uh, Ricky Ross is doing George Bush's time. That's that's a, that's dunks on him. Then he says, "Hey, if you have any." Also assuming, well, maybe later on when the cameras aren't rolling, I can say, oh, the guy never this man stands up with a manila folder when he says, if you have any evidence, on, camera. on camera and hands it, he says, oh, give it to one of the staffers. And a, and a gentleman walks over and takes it out of his hand. So, well, of course, never know what's in that manila folder. But I bet it's uh, it was not uh, something John Deutsch was expecting to have to be handed to him. Um, so this this another another prepared, <laughs> very prepared crowd here today. <laughs>
3: You and the DEA's uh, former um, director had a conflict, and he resigned. What happened to that ton of cocaine that you were supposed to be watching coming from Bogotá, Colombia? I don't know what you're referring to, sir. Uh, There was a conflict between the DEA and the CIA, whereas you guys were watching a ton of cocaine flying out of Bogotá, Colombia for a sting operation. The director of the CIA didn't agree on your tactics, and you superseded him and went over, and he resigned. The former I don't know his name, but the former DEA director, the one that just resigned because you wouldn't give him the information on the ton of cocaine that you were supposed to be watching coming from Bogota, Colombia. Whatever happened to the ton of cocaine? I don't know the case you're referring to.
1: Now, I do do know the case he's referring to. Oh, you do? I also (laughs) want to say, just to reiterate my prior point, again, I'm not judging that guy who was on the mic because I think he took a good swing there. For anybody who can't see this because you're listening, this guy was missing a lot of teeth on his bottom row. He was. And we all know. I watch that, I go, Ooh, the CIA saw a guy like that, and they said, Yeah, let him have the mic, because yep. he'll come off like a crazy person. And That's he right. didn't he came closest so far, maybe, but I want to hear more details about this case that you know.
0: You're right. So he so he uh so Robert Bonner is the name when he said I, f- I forget his name. So the so the, the uh the, the head of the of the DEA at the at the time um was so and this also was a sixty minutes. Sixty minutes when when sixty minutes was still doing you know, uh, re- real journalism. Uh, they had them on, and this was this was a case that was before. Uh, so this was in uh, the, the 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 late eighties as well, but this came out in about ninety three, where the uh, CIA stepped in uh, a- a- and allowed from Colombia a ton. That is that is a ton was the measurement. Not that's not just like oh a ton of cocaine, a literal ton of cocaine uh, to be smuggled into the United States. They claimed later after the fact that it was to to ensnare. They're like, oh, we, we need it. We needed that to actually go through and to happen for that cocaine <laughs> to hit the streets and everything to really get to the target we were we were after. So that was their their uh, explanation. The head of the DEA was like, you never fucking ran this by me, which fuck the DEA as well. So it was a little bit of dick measuring between like the CIA stepped in on, on an operation, didn't tell us about it. And now there's a fucking ton of cocaine flowing around and I've got all my regional because the CIA doesn't have any regional you know people to answer to they're just the cia but the dea has all their local offices so that you know in la these people are and the lapd being like how the fuck like all of a sudden there's just a ton of drugs that just kind of flowed in here so the 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 head of the dea went on 60 minutes and said all this uh and went on record uh as a whistleblower and so that's what this this dude's referring to so for also for deutsch to play the move of like this is when it's the checkmate where it's like well i'm not going to unpack this because that's another situation we're talking about crack all i'm here to say is we did not actually take crack cocaine and put it in the hands of people in south central los angeles and and have them distribute it so that's what i'm here to answer to i'm not here to answer to that um so i mean that's funny that he just says that i'm not i don't know the case you're referring to and looking around as if he's confused uh but yeah that's robert bonner and that's what that fellow was referring to so it's just again being like hey if you did this don't you also think that there's you know now we're answering for we're just we're building the case against them here slowly um, with people who yeah from casting central casting it's like is is, is on point at this at, so far as well as if you went out to try to be like oh let's get people who you know we would think would would, would look like oh they're going to be wild cards and they're, they're coming correct
3: i am a former lost
0: oh now this is mike rupert i just want to set this up this is my this is my guy here this is mike rupert uh just drops the hammer uh, at this point a- after they've and just Mar- been-
1: can i say you and him do share a physical resemblance you and Mike Rupert i mean mostly in the mustache but yep 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 a couple more decades and i've gotten portly and, enough and it's okay to say i got some jowls couple, couple more here. no i'm just saying i'm just saying a little more aging in the face and the right set of glasses and you and mike rupert are are <laughs> i'm glad that? to hear you like what he says because you also share a vibe yeah no he's he could be my father this could be my real father
0: and mike rupert a spiritual father at least uh, and, yeah, after all these body shots uh, that Deutsch has been taken for the CIA, this the, here comes the Haymaker to end it.
3: I am a former Los Angeles police narcotics detective, and I work South Central Los Angeles. And I will tell you, Director Deutsch, that the agency has dealt drugs throughout this country for a long time. On their feet, standing
0: up. Director Deutch, I will
3: refer you to three specific agency operations known as Amadeus, Pegasus, and Watchtower. I have Watchtower documents heavily redacted by the agency. I was personally exposed to CIA operations and recruited by CIA personnel who attempted to recruit me in the late 70s to become involved in protecting agency drug operations in this country. I have been trying to get this out for 18 years, and I have the evidence. My question for you is very specific, sir. If in the course of the IG's investigations and Fred Hitz's work, you come across evidence of severely criminal activity and it's classified, will you use that classification to hide the criminal activity or will you tell the American people the truth?
0: So, yeah, so we, uh, you know, we can imagine what the answer
1: to that was. Uh, It's classified. I got to say, too, pretty brilliant. Because somebody he he could turn around and go. This guy Mike Rupert is a ranting, raving, crazy person. That's that's what you know. I, I'm first of all, I'm shocked that live on CSPAN a bullet didn't travel through that man's temple as he <laughs> yes, put that out there. Yes, shocked. Yes.
0: Well, from behind Secondly, that curtain, they uh, were given the signal where they're like, "Do we do, do? Is this where is this where we do it?" Yeah,
1: I'm amazed we didn't see a laser a, a laser <laughs> scope. And then you know, obviously, I'm sure they're instantly. Can we smear this person's reputation? Because but what he did that was so tricky was I'm going to say all this stuff that sounds crazy. I'm going to tell you I have evidence. But the actual question is pretty innocuous. It's if something's hitting behind a classified status, do you prosecute that crime? That's that's a question that this guy has to answer or else he looks like a chump. Yep. Well played move by Mike Rupert. Not can you verify the existence of Project Amadeus, which sounds like something nuts. Just, hey, if you got classified info that tells about crimes, do you prosecute those crimes? You're right. Yep. I mean, checkmate, Rupert. Checkmate.
0: It, it kind of is because you're right. At that point, it's like forget even the specifics that I do have, and I will turn over. And I've been trying to get out there. Forget that. Even you're right, but it, it, it just theoretically, if you're going to do this investigation and you come across stuff that is classified, will you prosecute? And the answer, of course, was no. Uh, you know, and and, and it wasn't. Uh, nothing was prosecuted. They, they gave a report. Uh, you know, just just to, just as a, as a follow up to that, they, they gave their report. Uh, I think it was a year later or whatever. It came out um, quietly, and it was. You know, acknowledging that there was uh, not acknowledging any any criminal activity or wrongdoing, acknowledging that there was some miscommunications within the agency, blah, 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 blah. Uh, But John Kerry, who, you know, as we know, ran uh, against uh, Bush for his second run uh, for the president uh, when he was a senator, he did uh, the Kerry report on all of this, working with Congresswoman uh, Maxine Waters. They released a report uh, separate from, of course, the CIA's investigation. And that was like the damning thing where this, you know, this was on the Senate floor. This was all laid out there where John Kerry was basically like this was at best. And, you know, God bless him. This is what, uh, you know, people in the working from within the system would have to say is like, oh, there's there's gross negligence like at at at, uh, you know, at worst here. But this is like the shit that absolutely happened uh, on on your watch. Uh, So, of course, we always, you know, I feel like people err on the side because they don't want to go too you know once you go down the rabbit hole too far believe me you know it's it's a, it's a strange place to be and it, you, you know you must be self medicated i feel to to get through some of those places so i don't blame people for being like i don't even want to go there so you know you you do you blame it on negligence people are always like oh they're buffoons and they're they're you know they fucked up i'm like if you don't think the people that are that are, have been pulling these puppet strings and and and, and mastering this just profit for for, for sheer profit is the only motive but like if you think that they're like just a bunch of bungling morons at the top that's what that's where we we lose in this game because they're not they're very highly coordinated and 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 they have their their plans in place where it's like once you show that evidence it's like yeah you know that there was no gross negligence this was exactly what
1: they were trying to do and the stuff that comes out about the CIA in general you sit here you go it's they probably hope that we all go that's a fairy tale but then you start to figure out you know we all watch that Unabomber show where it's pretty pretty clear of like oh. They uh they drugged that guy and messed with his head and there's a pretty one to one argument to be made there that maybe the CIA, uh you know due to their experimentation you know um, without intending him to send mail bombs invented the unibomber like that's just that's right. kind of a fact that's out there in the public discourse now. I was just yep. listening to something the other day about how. There was a stretch when they wanted to test biological warfare where they came up with an innocuous bacteria and unleashed it on San Francisco and accidentally killed a bunch of people because they wanted to know how it would travel in San Francisco fog. That's like, there's right. There's some things that have- Yep, MKUltra is that another are, big one. Yeah, some of yep. these things that have happened that, that we've now been told like, yeah, they did happen. You'll never get the full details, but even the stuff you hear is really fucked up. Not surprised to hear that they brought in a literal ton of, of crack rocks.
0: Yeah, no, exactly. That, that, that's what's funny is how many how many of these do we need to know for for sure that are not wild? Cons- and, you know, all this stuff, of course, gets tied up into into wild conspiracy theories. But everything also that is now come out as 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 absolute fact, a matter of fact, and part of the public discourse you know, at one time was just dismissed, like conspiracy theorists and, and conspiracy that gets thrown around to dismiss people constantly of of, of having any sort of because people go, oh, here we go. Tinfoil hats and and Alex Jones well, and
1: whatever else, you know, other kind of. <clears throat> it's the same problem I have with what we were talking about before, Murph, which is like if we're going to go and say ecstasy melts holes in your brains and that's what everybody hears about it the first couple of years that we're hearing about it. Well, now it's whatever, 30 years later, and we're all hearing, actually, there's therapeutic uses that are helping people who have witnessed and endured the worst traumas find their way out of it. Well, that demonization set back that revelation so many years. You know, it's the same thing. It's a, I'm not, I'm not someone who wants to travel in conspiracy theory. I think that a lot of the stuff happening right now that's conspiracy theory is insidious and dangerous and dark. But when you paint everything as conspiracy theory, Um, not only does it hide the truth at times, but it also validates people who want to traffic in the most insane conspiracy theories, you know, like maybe if the CIA wasn't allowed to run so wild and if they were forced to own up a little bit more often, like these clips you're showing me there wouldn't be such a level of distrust that people sit here and go, oh, I think Hillary Clinton hangs out at a ping pong store drinking baby blood, you you're know? At,
0: you're apt to, I, I
1: say this all the time, you're
0: absolutely right. The that, that, that QAnon, that, that, that and, and, the, and the, uh, the Pizzagate stuff, that doesn't exist without some form of, again, accountability, just even some light on it. Just e- even if, again, if no one is fully held accountable or if there's a, you know, a, a scapegoat offered up or whatever, but just public discourse, this kind of thing happening. If this was a was a regular occurrence of people being able to come to a public place, the community together comes out, calls them on their bullshit, whatever ends up happening, happening. But you're right. It wouldn't get to the point of like, because because it is, it's basic profit motive. It's like, no, these people aren't, you know, there's nothing but drinking, yeah, the, the and eating the adrenaline glands and, and drinking the, the blood of babies. You get to that point when people hide their just profit motives in the shadows for so long that that's what, you know, you, you're left with. And then that just kind of gets to lump everything together with legitimate uh, criticism and f- matters of fact that do come out in the wash that, that all just gets swept under together. You're absolutely right. I, I think that all the time. I mean, it's, and then the grifters who get to, Profit off of the conspiracy yeah. also play up the worst sides of them and the bullshit sides of them. They can throw in, you know, cause I always say this about Alex Jones for all his, for all his nonsense. When I was growing up, the Bohemian Grove doc that made his career. And, and I know he's a hot button person at this point. So again, he's a right, he leans right and on the anarchist side, whereas I certainly am very left on the anarchist. side. So our worldviews are very different, but in terms of what it was, he did and made his career on the Bohemian Grove stuff. Bohemian Grove's is a real fucking thing. And it's where power players come together, not to drink the blood of babies, but to plan how they're going to profit more than they already have. How do they hoard the wealth? They're the masters of the universe. That's how they view themselves. They get together. I mean, dude, you know this as a neighborhood. If you're gonna get together as a neighborhood association and go, oh, we wanna get something done. You talk to your, to your neighbor about it. Like to, to think that all of a sudden these people at the top don't have the same human basic, forget about right and wrong, even judging it. Just the fact that they do it, pretending like they don't come together and go, hey, you're in this industry. You're a titan of this industry. You make money here. Here's what we're gonna do so that we all make more money. Like, that's not insane
1: to, to suggest that they're doing that. Right, right. And if they if they would let a little more of the truth come out, the conspiracies would fizzle naturally, right? And, yeah, that's right. And it goes, it's same thing of like, oh, they, they make you, if you take mushrooms, you're going to lose your mind. And now it's another thing that's coming out of like, actually, there's valid therapeutic treatments for that. Well, because you've demonized that, now you've also got all these weird fringe podcasters selling supplements that we all know are like- yes you know like ground up horse testicles <laughs> that are medically and nutritionally useless but if we if we go out of our way to uh blur the facts what happens is that a lot of people who are looking for a quick fix or who are easily exploited buy into stuff that's just yep based we see that fantasy
0: you're absolutely right we see we see that happening now i mean that's that's on in a lot of areas now that obviously with with the anti-vax movement, it's like the anti-vax movement is created when that's not in a vacuum. That's, that, that's crea- that stuff is able to get traction because of the, you know, the FDA being bought and paid for and that they have released many of drugs in the past that were just like, oh, well, you know, I mean, the Oxycontin, you know, the, the opioid crisis being a thing that created from, you know, co- coming from inside from big pharma. And then all of a sudden everyone going, oh, man, we didn't know that like you know that that, that the Sackler family we we, we didn't know that like this was going to be addictive we just thought it was for pain all this bullshit excuse afterwards where I'm like no that was just bought and paid for and they funded you know most of Congress uh for their campaign so it's like all that makes sense and but then when you turn it around it's like it leaves the window when you won't acknowledge that and there's no accountability for that it leaves a huge lane for for grifters to come in with all sorts of nonsense that again, yeah. it's like what we were talking about earlier. It's the two ideas. It's that this is true, yes, but that also then doesn't mean that like all of it is bad and you have the answers through some, you know, nutraceutical or whatever the hell it is you're shilling. It's like, don't leave that lane open by, by allowing, uh, you know, th- th- by just, you know, being being as full of shit and as corrupt as you are, then you have no leg to stand on when people come with with some of the, 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 the most, uh, you know, batshit stuff imaginable uh i get it you know i get why you'd buy into that after being lied to for so long uh well you know i i appreciate you diving into my I, I tend to nerd out when it comes to this kind of stuff i just i just want these community meetings in in high school gyms all over the country at this point that's
1: something we don't get off
0: oh. the mic has not been passed around let's just say in a long time
1: yeah that's the last time the cia did that right that's right how many how how many seconds do you think that man was in the car before uh because that was probably the early cell phone days, right? Yeah. How, how right. many, how many, how many moments after he left that stage do you think before some encrypted phone call was coming through that was like, We told you that was a bad idea. <laughs> yes. And that could never happen again.
0: That can never happen. Yeah. Um yeah, I thought we vetted the I thought that, that people were coming in there and it's like it was the community, man. I don't know. Uh yeah, that was that was spectacular. Um and uh, you know, I I, I encourage the listeners to to look more into, like uh, you know, Mike Rupert and this all—it's it, all out there. You know, you, you got to do a little bit of deep dive. It's not—it's not a first page of Google search results, but it's all out there. Um, and I encourage people to, to 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 dive in. And I'll and I'll have more clips from that as we're from other things similar to that that I love that have kind of uh, uh, you know gone under the radar a little bit. Um, but yeah, uh, you know, I'll rant and rave all day. But I also like to hear from our listeners uh, as well. So, <laughs> Gethard, I know obviously this is you know with beautiful anonymous, you, you know, you're no stranger to, uh, and the ether Joe, you're no stranger to, to having a, a call-ins and, 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 people, uh, you know, interact with the show. So, uh, I wanted to, uh, to, to do this segment with you. Um, we call this one listeners untapped.
1: You have reached four, four, three MK
3: ultra.
0: Oh yeah. Also, sorry. Speaking, speaking of MK, the CIA's, uh, dastardly, uh, pl- plots, <laughs> Uh, I, 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 procured the, uh, the phone number for the, for the program. Uh, it's four, four, three MK ultra. So, uh, is you that you me. were able to get that? I got that number. I was able to track that down. I have a friend. Do she, we know what the four, four, three area code is? I believe it's North Carolina. Yeah. Look at maybe. Okay. Yeah. Look that up real quick. I don't know that. I do want to know. I think it's North Carolina. A friend of mine. She works in a, does like phone number. Eastern Maryland, it. Eastern Easter Maryland. 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 Okay. Eastern Maryland. Okay. Well, somebody Under in Maryland. Eastern Maryland <laughs> was holding on to MK ultra for me all these years and I appreciate it. Uh, cause I did, was, was able to buy it from him for a, for at a discount, bargain discount for that number. Uh, and so, uh, so yeah, so please call into the program, <laughs> uh, with anything, you know, conspiratorial opinions, you know, responses to, to stuff you hear on the show, just anything, really anything about drugs. Um, you can call 443 MK ultra. So this was a, a call I, I, I got, uh, actually just, just yesterday I came in. So I wanted to, to run this one by you. It kind of ties into the stuff we were talking about in the, uh, in the first segment of the program, they have the substance report. So let's uh, let's hear from one of our listeners.
2: Hey, Murph, I got a question then. So in the first season, I believe it was episode five in Murph Meyer's self-medicated. One of the takeaways that I got from that is that addiction is not necessarily considered a disease in the harm reduction movement. And that's an interesting thought to me. I have a lot of friends who are addicts and in recovery And uh, it's really important to them. And I've been supporting and embracing them for years. And I used to just be there wholeheartedly without a second thought. And now when they talk to me about going to meetings and I mean, it works for them, but when they talk about it being a disease, now there's that thought in the back of my mind. It's not affecting the way that I'm supporting them, but I just wonder, I don't know what to do with that anymore. I don't know what to do with the thought of when when my friends or any addicts I encounter are telling me that they have a disease, there's that little voice in the back of my head now that's going, is it? I don't know what to do with that, Murph. Any thoughts? Thank you. Mission accomplished, Murph. That's why you started this show, to get
1: people to doubt the intentions of their addicted <laughs> friends. Well done.
0: <laughs> yes, we did it. All right. This is going to be the last episode. We've achieved our goal um yeah no that see that's a tough one that's a tough one uh so let me just clarify first of all thank you so much for calling in uh and listening to uh so the, the first self-medicated was it was the podcast it's more scripted uh you know memoir style storytelling and, and stuff um and so that that's what what, what this caller is referencing and in the, at that episode i think what i'm what i'm actually going after and i'm glad to have the opportunity to clarify this it doesn't seem like that is what i'm trying to do kind of going back to what we said earlier and gethard what you said about the with with um with the mental health and, and antidepressants and stuff if someone is telling you something and that's working for them and that's someone you love, then end, end a story. That's it. That's it. And that's great. There's, there's no need to analyze it. Uh, you know, intellectualize anything f- further than that. Um, first of all. So I think each person, the idea being behind harm reduction and not to represent the harm reduction movement at, at all, but to say what I've kind of feel, and I know some others agree with this is that removed from the individual part of it, which is on that level, we talk about, the the so this is what you said before top down kind of thing because i can't help but comment on the top even though the bottom up is, is is where it's all at and in your day-to-day and the people you're dealing with humans individuals yes like whatever they whatever people say and however they identify and whatever they're they're, they're going through then that's what you should be there supporting you're doing the right thing so don't worry about that voice in the back of the head if the voice in the back of the head is me ranting and raving on a podcast get that the hell out of here the back of your head for sure <laughs> nobody wants that my god uh <laughs> But but from from the terms of like systemically, what I was trying to address in that issue is in that episode is that. What I found to be very weird is that for years it was a moral failing, like addiction is kind of how it was viewed. And so the stigma that's attached to that, as rightfully so, and that the and this was a bipartisan thing in terms of legislation and policy of uh, Scranton, Joe Biden, certainly uh, one of the one of the big Democratic uh, proponents of that reaching across the aisle is that this idea that it's a it's a sin, it's a moral failing. It's the fabric of our society being torn by this. So, so this needs to be legislated, regulated and and criminalized. So if, if that's the mentality, that makes sense to me, uh, in, at least logically it tracks with. So if you do it, you're going to jail. And if you fucking die, then it's your own fault. So go go off and, and go, you know, crawl into a gutter and go die for all I care. You're a heartless, you know, scumbum. And I, and I don't care for your your worldview. And, and you know, I, that's not. Certainly what I uh, my my beliefs at all. But what I get about that is that's at least like, OK, then it makes sense why you'd criminalize this. But what re- is really weird now is this disease model, where if you really think about what people now ha- have 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 said by acknowledging it's a disease, if you think that addiction is a disease and you should immediately be screaming from the rooftops that this should be decriminalized, that there should be no person in jail, that, that none of this should ever be criminalized, because otherwise history is going to look back on that very poorly, I think, where you know, I know the term, you know, you're a Nazi gets thrown around pretty often and loosely nowadays. But when you think about like how sick it is to live in a society where you're like, oh, we no, we criminalize illness. We criminalize, uh, you know, diseases and put people in jail for them. Like that just seems like it's a very fucked up, you know, line of, of reasoning. And so that's kind of what I was questioning is how is our policy not caught up with that idea that whether I disagree or again, it's like you were saying it's literally the exact same thing you were saying before. Look at the brain scans, look at the, the signs. Like, well, technically, when we looked at this, that that didn't track. Like, I don't care. I care about that as an interesting guy, but not as a, as a person on a personal level. I don't give a shit about that at all. Who cares if someone thinks it's a disease or doesn't think it's a disease? Take care of people, love people, and 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 that's it. But what goes along with that is this policy of just going, well, then you have to also be for decriminalizing. Otherwise, where where's the where's the uh, the logic on that? You know what I mean?
1: Where's the compassion? People where's who have compassion? diseases, you show them compassion and empathy. So if it is a disease, where is that? That's right. Um, I hear you, Murph. Yeah. So
0: I, I think I think what you should be questioning, I would just say to this listener, certainly not your friends who who this has helped or who anyone who is is trying to get there, the back of your in the back of your mind, what you should be always thinking of is why have we not decriminalized this? If whether this is or is not a, a disease and how much, you know, the argument can be made for how much the disease model of addiction has has been helpful. I think the thought is that it would bring people around to where I just said, where they immediately go like, well, then this should not be decriminalized it should be a public health issue, which is true, but doesn't hinge on like, is it a disease or is it not a disease? Like it's, it's, you know, it, cause that matters just as much as, is it a moral failing or not? Because it's not our, our business to be in, you know, to be judging other human beings and putting them in jail for things, you know, like that just, seems for things they do with their own bodies, It's bodily autonomy, which is like a, certainly a big thing that comes up in a lot of other areas with with the uh you know uh abortion rights and everything else there's a lot of uh a lot of that still going on in the, in the puritanical holdovers in, in america and that's all i was trying to address is just like if you're on board with any sort of uh movement and compassion forward for people whether it's because you think they're sick or not then let's just get on board with that fully and say let's decriminalize that's that was my only my only point um so yes, please don't tell your friends that you don't believe them cuz of this goofball you heard ranting and raving on a podcast. Please don't do that. Uh but <laughs> <laughs> please, please, please. That is the that is not, uh uh you know you you, you spit some uh, some takes out there and you know you never know. You never know where we were going to go. But thank you so much for listening. Um and uh we got to know a little bit more about uh, about our listeners. I, I would like to know even though he's, you know very much an open book. I think specifically uh, in the context of of uh, of, of drug use, uh, our listeners would love to know a little bit more about Chris Gethard. Uh, so, what do you say we slip on over into the user studio? Ah, damn. damn it! One of these times, I'm going to hit that transition smoothly, uh, where I fumble for my uh, Jimmy Lipton glasses. Um, <clears throat> we end our podcast session with a weekly dose version of the questionnaire that was used masterfully for 24 years by the great James Lipton inside the Actors Studio. And the first question is Chris Gethard, what is your favorite drug?
1: <sighs> Want to be clear, say that in general drugs don't work for me. Murph, you've been present when I've taken drugs and you've seen that uh I've actually never asked you this. Like Sure. That night where I where I started doing all that MDMA,
0: yes,
1: you were a person who, who said like you got to chill out.
0: Yes, yes. Aside from um, let me pa- let me pause my <laughs> James Lipton response here. Yes, <laughs> yes. Um,
1: yes. Of course, uh, we, yeah. I don't think we've ever actually spoken about that night. I've done bits about it, and I think I've said to you, "Can I talk about our interactions?" But you famously right. were like, "Dude, you got to chill." you're doing too much mdma and i snuck into a porta potty by myself and ate a bunch more and everyone who was a friend of me who was there was like what the fuck is the going compulsion on? yeah the the, the, the the compulsive you saw it uh, instantly right i
0: saw it instantly yes uh and and here's the thing again i you know you're you're a big boy you do your own stuff but you want people looking out for you that's what that's what friends do so i did voice a, a thing where i was and i kind of was watching from i did not do any you know i i then was also like let me let me let me pass let me just Stay on these whatever edibles I was eating or maybe I, had some, I certainly had some beverages, I imagine. But I want to stay in a, in a state where I was like just seeing what was going on here because I knew your history. And I, and I think people, look, I know that for, for myself. Sometimes, sometimes it, can, it can trigger a thing where it's just like, oh yeah, you go, you do not know the, uh, a speed limit. You, you just have no speed limit. So there is no like, let me just drive along this lane. It's like you get in that lane and it's pedal to the floor. And I saw that and I've seen that in myself and, and many, many of my uh, uh, comrades
1: over the years. In, I hadn't done drugs in so many years. And then that night, I had you, maybe my most drug-experienced friend, going, okay, I see, I see yes. what's up. I yes, see what's yes. up. Like We we blew right pa- That was always the problem with me and drugs is like, it blows right past fun. Yes. Um, yeah, the, right. The first night I ever smoked weed... Did I ever tell you this? first night I ever smoked weed, I did 13 bong rips. First time I ever s- s- tried cannabis, oh, I went goodness. that hard. Goodness. I always went hard at stuff. So that being said knowing that it's not for me, knowing that I'm someone who's a prime example of a cautionary tale. Yes. Who doesn't want to glorify drugs. Cause I've also, as you don't know, have lost friends to drugs, I will say before the MDMA went out of control, it was a revelatory experience. <laughs> that's probably, it's probably the best drug I've ever tried.
0: There it is. It's the MDMA. Yeah. And, and I, and, and I agree with you. I think uh, not, not, uh, not glorifying them, not uh, stigmatizing them. That's, you know, that, that's literally what we're asking. And I think, well, again, one of the nuanced things is that just because I'm a big proponent of myself using drugs, that is myself. And and I always listen to people and would never be like, well, you know, maybe you should try it
1: again if we should. Like, of course not. No, you know yourself better than anybody else does. It's funny, too, because you often on the show have to have the caveat of I'm not pro drugs. Like, I've heard always. you have to underline that. And I have to say, as someone you and I have a lot of love for each other. I feel like if, like if I was touring through your part of the country and we hung out again and I told you, Hey Murph, I've gotten really into such and such. I feel like you and I know each other enough that at the very least you'd go, this doesn't compute and I want to make sure you're okay because you're not pro drug use and you've seen it in me. And if I turned around to you and said, dude, I've gotten really into Coke, man, I'm handling it great. I feel like you'd go bullshit, dude. What are you talking about? What's going on here? Yep. You know, I, I want to be clear. You have, I've seen it in action. When I've fallen off the wagon, it's not like you were sitting there with pom-poms cheerleading me along. You actually, out of the crew of people present that night, were one of the people who most had your eye on it for me. And that's always meant a lot to me. So hey, thanks, I can vouch yes. for you that it's not pro-drug. It's pro-conversation. It's anti-stigma. I that's absolutely that. but right. But anyway, the short answer, man, MDMA is pretty, it's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty cool if you can handle it. Unfortunately, I can't. <laughs> for sure. What uh, And what is your least favorite drug? I mean, it's a tie. Um, one, I don't know the name of. I was once in that stretch, Murph, when I'd fallen off the wagon. I once was booked to perform at a music festival, and drugs float around at music festivals. Sure. And it was right in that summer that you and I were talking about, and I was given something that I was under the impression was MDMA. Ooh. And unfortunately, it was one of those weird chemical hallucinogens. Like... I don't know the name, but you know how there's those ones out there just yes. called like 2-D-C-P or DNG. whatever? Oh, yes. All the numbers and letters come, yeah, chemically. It was one of those, and it was a scary experience. To take something thinking it was one thing, and then to all of a sudden just feel all this weird headache pressure. Um, and one of the terrible well.
0: byproducts of, of prohibition, for sure. Taking yeah, things you're not yeah. sure what they are. Again, yes, it's it's absolutely let people if you you know let people take what they want to take and and know what it is they're taking you're right nothing more terrifying than that that's at the heart yeah. of the overdose crisis right now
1: i got out of the festival paul mccartney was playing and at first i was like oh this is pretty cool i'm watching paul mccartney while i trip for the first time cuz hallucinogens never felt like a great idea for me cuz i'm very yep. mentally unstable <laughs> and then it just kept building and building i said this is too much and i went back to my hotel room and i took a shower and i realized that i could make the walls change colors if I looked at them and said, take out all the green, and then it would turn pink. If I said, take out all the pink, it would turn blue. And then I sat on my computer and looked at pictures of peacocks all night long. <laughs> that was bad. But I'll tell you, Murph, that was the worst experience I've had. But as far as the drug that I've seen caused the most destruction in loved ones and myself, the answer is alcohol. Yes, the booze, the booze. Same, same. We forget about it. Now that weed is being legalized, I think we can all look back at, at my entire lifetime and say, truly silly that that substance was demonized and booze was totally okay in all of our houses uh, I, i've seen it wreck relatives lives it wrecked my life for a while yes bad news yes indeed yes it is a, it is uh historically been quite the uh you
0: know in, in the wrong hands for sure and again knowing yourself uh, and I didn't know that about you with, with, with the, uh, the, nothing like getting a hallucinogen, uh, 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 also an intense, uh, psychedelic, uh, without knowing when Ooh. unwittingly. I mean, I was, I was vomiting by the end of it. It was, Ooh, yes. it was
1: bad. It was bad. Uh,
0: what celebrity's overdose death has had the most
1: profound effect on you? Oh, well, that's a great question. Um, I believe this was an overdose. If not it was implicitly tied into her drug use. I will say as someone who's a loud and proud Essex County native, uh the Whitney Houston saga? Yes. yes. Particularly tragic mm-hmm. just the you know just seeing someone who was so clearly in need of help who so many people were making money off of her that maybe the help came and went or didn't or didn't come at all at times. Yes. That one is particularly heartbreaking. I feel sure. like the more Every few years you learn more details about what was happening with her and it just becomes more and more tragic. Brutal. And what a what a talent.
0: Uh the caged songbird, yes, it was it was it is a very tragic uh situation. I, I do say that in a James Lipton voice and realize it's ridiculous, but at the same time I am being sincere. It was a terrible uh, situation what we do to these these talents. Uh what age were you the first time you found yourself under the influence?
1: I I was uh straight edge my first three years of high school and then partway through senior year, I started drinking. Mm -hmm. This is probably 16 or 17. And you won't be shocked to hear Murph instantly gained a reputation as someone who went way too hard. I once, (laughs) once in high school drank so much, um, that some friends I was drinking with called another friend of mine to come drive me home. And he was my best friend at the time. And when he showed up, he physically did not recognize me because I was so obliterated. Oh, he was like where's Geth and they were like that's him on the couch he was like he's not even the same color as usual what are you talking about oh my yes
0: that's a, and i've seen the photographs of you as a, as a as a uh, a younger man you were you were a sweet little baby boy you know and and and, and, was, and when you're first starting out the you know the 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 size the weight you know of the alcohol getting into your system you know that that matters so if you're trying to keep up with uh you know, with, with people who might have been a little
1: bit larger than you as well. You're a very, very small man. I mean, when you're trying to compete with other people who are bigger and your own feelings of self-hatred. Oof, Ooh, boy. Are, That's a recipe. Those are two for... races
0: you're not going to win. That's the truth. Uh, what is your favorite slang word for cannabis?
1: Ooh. I mean, probably like one of the funny ones. Like, I think it's really funny that people say something like sticky icky. <laughs> that's just funny to me you know
0: <laughs> it is the sticky icky uh what drug would you like to deal for a living
2: Ooh,
1: if i had to deal a drug hmm, i don't know that i have it in my bones to be a drug dealer of any sort um i think that's a fair answer yeah yeah yeah, I mean it seems like a lot of pressure and logistics and organization. It's not even morally like I wouldn't. It just seems like a pain in the ass. Like I've run my own merch sales at times during my career and I, like run them through a website and you're constantly going back and forth to the post office. I can't imagine what's happening when you're trying to like dole out small sum amounts of illicit substances to people who want them at all hours of the night.
0: It is true. You're you're on call. You're on call 24/7. It's a, it's a yeah, it's a hustle. It's a hustle
1: for yeah, sure. Yeah, I mean if I had to pick I might say Something happy, like your shrooms, your MDMA, you know, the things that maybe have some, uh, some mental health positives. I, I, maybe I could see that carving out some sense of like a very small scale operation for, um, for things like that, that, uh, that do have a reputation for helping people. I could also see myself being a dynamite ayahuasca shaman in the right context.
0: Absolutely. And you know, that's yes, I I could see that as well. Uh, I would I would I would certainly uh, uh, enlist your services. Uh, I, I think uh, when I was young, I had I was fortunate I had someone and now, of course, you know, I, I was a little, little, uh, little pain in the ass. So I didn't always listen to uh, to my elders. But I had a, a, an older uh, gentleman who gave me a lot of great mushrooms uh, back in the day who, who, who would always preach about set and setting and how to take it. It wasn't just, oh, let's meet in a parking lot. Here's quick. To take these mushrooms. Get the hell out of here, young man. Uh, you know, he, he sat me down. He, he talked about them. Uh, he talked about the type, different types of, uh, that he would get. And oh, this is this. And, that, and he always sampled his own to, to let people know this is the strength and this is the, you know, ca- ca- someone who took pride in his work. Uh, and, and I think that that's, uh, as you're kind of saying too, a shaman, someone, someone to guide you on that journey uh, is very important with certain kinds of drugs. Um, uh what drug would
1: you absolutely not like to deal under any circumstances? Um I mean it's an obvious answer. Heroin is like, I I don't I don't want to think about people dropping dead on my on my bank account. Um you know, we haven't we haven't talked about it today, but I I've, I've told you before one of the formative experiences in my adult life was that my best childhood friend uh died after a long stretch of heroin addiction. Yes and uh it's 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 a particularly insidious track to go through and i feel like one of the things that i've always supported about you in this project is i know i've told you the last time i met him in person he was like we got to hang out and i kind of dodged it cuz i had heard he was having a really tough time and he had been stealing from people and and that was the last time the last time i uh ever spoke to him i judged him and i learned a big lesson on that one cuz I could have shown friendship and empathy, and and uh, ever since then I've kind of viewed heroin as like a very out of bounds. I know, I know that's one of the things that you will sometimes you'll sometimes say stuff that I sit there, I go, ooh, it's hard for me to agree with that based on personal experience, but when it comes to things like testing strips and. Yes, needle exchanges and safe injection sites. I sit there. I go. That probably would have at least extended my friend's life. At For least sure. extended my friend's life. So For heroin sure. is the one that I just can't even yep.
0: stomach the thought of it. Certainly understandable. I also, uh, uh, I think, a very impor- important point there that you make is is uh, that I would just echo is that you know you'll you'll never regret uh, compassion. You'll you'll never. And look, I'm not saying holier than thou. I understand sometimes people are hurt by the actions of, of others, regardless of drug users or, or whatever in life, uh, certainly. But compassion, you'll never regret it. You you will regret the judgment, uh, potentially, but you will never regret the compassion.
1: Even if, like, I think back to that incident, and I, I remember it clear as day. I know exactly where I was. I was on Bloomfield Avenue in Montclair, New Jersey. Ran into my friend Josh, and I'm like, I had been hearing that he'd been having some tough times, and like I said, stealing and and this and that. And mm-hmm. I'm like, even if he had... Even if we had reconnected, I was 23, 24 years old at the time. What was he going to get out of me? 60 bucks? What do I have on me at any given point? Was he going to steal a laptop? Maybe I would be less pissed about that 60 bucks or that disc man back then, that early generation iPod, whatever we were carrying back (laughs) then. I'd be less pissed if he had stolen one of those than I am at myself 20 years later that I judged my friend. like That I I don't get to forgive myself for. I just yes. don't. He's dead. I don't get to. I don't get forgiveness for that, you know. And that's yes. on me. That's on me. I think even that's
0: right. I think even from a selfish standpoint, uh, like we, again, for the, all the for, for us as individuals, it's like even for those reasons. That's exactly right. I've I've heard many many people have have said that uh, expressed that similar sentiment. And of course, you want to tell people let let it go. You know, it, it is it, it was something you couldn't have avoided, or whatever. But the one thing you can is is like you just said, the compassion. Um, and finally, if heaven exists. What would you like to hear Whitney Houston say when you arrive at the
1: pearly gates? Let's see. Um, what if it? What if it's like Saint Peter's at the pearly gates? I find out I got in. He opens them up, and Whitney Houston just says, "I want to dance with somebody," and that dances is you. <laughs> and that first dance on your way into heaven, you get to have that dance with Whitney Houston as she sings that song.
0: My God, that that is heavenly. That is heavenly. What a what a That's what a joyous right there, song. Right? What a joyous song. Oh, my Whitney and Bobby Brown will see you in hell, my friend. Chris Gethard, these are your drug users. All right. Yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing all that.
1: Please. Thanks for allowing me.
0: Um, yeah, I think that's uh, that'll about do it. I won't keep you any longer. Uh, I really appreciate you doing the program. I, I like that we got to dive into some you know, no, no small talk here with uh, with the, with these two old dogs. So I appreciate you, you diving into some of the nuance with with uh, with this stuff. I think that's it's where the conversations I hope are starting to go with people. You know, it's like some of the basic shit. I find myself repeating it a lot. Just whatever of like drugs shouldn't be there, but but I like uh, sometimes getting a little bit uh, past the surface layer. So I appreciate you diving
1: in with me. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah, happy to do it. I hope I didn't ramble too much.
0: No, no, come I mean this is a ramble. You're you're talking to a rambler. I love a I love to <laughs> ramble. Let's just ramble on. That's what we do. <laughs>
1: I know. It's true. Uh,
0: uh, so people, uh, yeah, wh- wh- where can, uh, you know, of course, pe- people
1: uh, follow you, find you. Uh, wh- wh- what would you like to give listeners on the way out the door? ChrisGeth.com for my touring dates. ChrisGeth on Instagram. ChrisGethard on Twitter. All the usual things. And, uh, yeah, Beautiful Anonymous. The New Jersey is the World podcast. I'm always out there making stuff. So whatever you want to check out. You know, I Hell know yes. time is limited. You Thank you so options,
0: much. but. Thank you to, uh, to you, Geth. You've, you've always been a, a great uh, champion and supporter of mine, uh, regardless of the drugs I'm using, the drugs you're using. That's never been, uh, you know, uh, what, what our uh, relationship's been founded on. Uh, it's been creativity, freedom, and funk. Uh, Can I ask you a question? It just popped into my head. And sure. feel free to cut this. Why am I still talking like I've, James? I've, I've slipped back into this, <laughs> this half-assed James Lipton
1: impression. All right, go Here's ahead. Here's the go question. Ahead. Between the public access and the cable run, it came to my attention at some point that a bunch of the cast members were doing shots of whiskey before the show. And I hadn't known that. And I didn't care. But I came to understand that was a tradition. Were there ever any times you were on air and you were uh, affected by other substances that I never knew about? Oh, boy. Uh huh.
0: Yeah, I guess, I guess I, um, <laughs> yeah. I went on a, I went on an Adderall run for a while, uh, cause I was, you know, you party and all that I mean, because after the show too, party and late nights, then trying to do auditions and stuff the next day. I, I, I enjoy Adderall for that sometimes, especially the older I get, um, weed, you know, I didn't, I don't like really like getting too high before performing of any, any kind. I mean, you, you, you had the weed episode, uh, on there, but no, it's impossible I Didn't do that. Um, Probably some toots here and there, maybe did a little co- back in the public access, maybe did it to- Bo Montez did a couple of toots before trying to dance for an hour. Uh, so, so there were some there were some toots at the uh, at the MNN uh, studios for sure. In that bathroom, getting that gold necklace on and getting ready to boogie. Um, Yeah. But yeah, other than that, not much. I did ask funny. I did have a, a talk with once we got to True TV. To be like, yo, man, you got to put this whiskey in the, in the, in the green room. And they're like, nah, they draw the line where I was like, hey, can't that be part of the con- the contract negotiation? I tried to keep, they am like, yeah, and a bottle of whiskey and a bottle of whiskey. My, my agent's like, yeah, yeah, no, no, I know. I, t- I told them about the bottle of whiskey. I, I don't think they're going to do it, but yeah. Um. Also, is it fair to say we smoked
1: weed with method, man? I mean, that is fair to say he talked about I that. missed it. I missed it. Yeah. I was getting notes from our dumb network. I was getting oh, dumb notes from our dumb man. network lame ass suits of course dude everybody was high out of their mind and i mean for me it's once every i mean handful of years i'll eat an edible maybe at this point in my life but i would have smoked with method man i mean who wouldn't method man brings his own you know because we also people
0: have all the kids you know around the writers uh diana was there and everything so we're you know we're, we're pulling out the like vapes and what and of course meth man's like no, no 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 i have i, I know what i want to smoke uh, and he pulled out his own his own uh, blunts to smoke was something. it high quality shit oh i mean d- uh, delicious and and just yeah nutritious uh, <laughs> i don't know it was it was great <laughs> but you're right you don't say you know you don't pass you don't pass uh, on on a, on a smoke oh, Man. I missed it um, i missed my chance well you facilitated it for everyone else so i i will always be grateful <laughs> to you for that I do my best. I'm a, I'm a king facilitator. Everybody knows this. Hell yeah. Um, all right. Well, I love you, brother. <laughs> Thank you again for doing the show. Love you too, buddy. Uh, thanks for thanks having to, me. Absolutely. Thanks to everyone else for tuning in for your weekly dose.
1: Hey, you
3: sleeping children, with your daughters, with your with your husband.
0: Self-medicated weekly dose is hosted and produced by me, Murph Meyer, with support from Pop Culture Collaborative. Our theme song is My Congressman by Fifteen, courtesy of Jeff Odd and Hopeless Records. Original artwork and production designed by Diana Kolsky. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the program, you can listen to new episodes of Weekly Dose every Wednesday. Just look for the Murph Meyer is Self-Medicated feed wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, subscribe to the Self-Medicated YouTube channel to see new video clips from the show each week. Follow me on Instagram at Murph Meyer. And for some top-shelf harm reduction resources, head over to selfmedicatedpod.com. Also, don't forget, you can call the Weekly Dose podcast anytime to leave me a voicemail message with your thoughts on drugs and the people who use them. Just pick up the phone and dial 443-MK-ULTRA. All right, that's about it for me. I'll see you next week. Love and solidarity. Boo-bye.